So yeah, we've all, we've all wondered who is the goat? Like who's the greatest of all time? Like can someone tell me once again, what does goat mean? Great. It does not mean little, little animals that hang out in the Brookbank's yard. It does not mean that, which those are goats, but it means the greatest of all time. Like who's the greatest athlete? Who's the greatest band? Who's, who's the greatest? What's the greatest movie? Of all time, whether whether or not you're in this room tonight and you're a Christian, it's hard to argue that any man has ever had a greater influence on history than Jesus. Two thousand years, even after Jesus time on this earth, we still talk about him and what he did. And in this series, we're going to look at the personal habits that made Jesus the goat, the greatest of all time. But before we get there, I want to talk basketball. Right? I'm going to talk basketball because there is a goat when it comes to basketball. There, anybody, any basketball fans in here? How many of you guys, like, you picked uh, Villanova to win it all? For real. Like, I did. I won my bracket. I picked Villanova to win it all. Um, but when it comes to basketball, there is one goat. There's only one. I, he, I love LeBron James. He's great. I love Kevin Durant. I love Steph Curry. I love the way they play. But here's the deal. It's not Kobe. Bryant. It's not Shaq. The greatest, the goat of basketball is none other than Michael Jordan. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right or am I right? Oh, yeah. And let me ask you this. Are any of you guys in this room actually old enough to have ever seen him play life. Nah, for real. All of our adult volunteers. But the rest of you guys, you've seen highlights. You've seen highlights of his greatness, of his airness. Um, when it comes to, though, when it comes to performers, the GOAT is not Beyonce. It's not Taylor Swift. It's not LeVar Ball. The GOAT is... Michael Jackson. Come on. Entertainers. The greatest entertainer. No, no, no. Listen, listen, listen. Thinking about, thinking about Summer Olympics. The greatest swimmer of all time. Who is that? Michael Phelps. That's right. Now, so if you're picking up on a theme here, maybe you've caught this. Listen, listen. Maybe you've caught the theme here that if your name is Michael, there's greatness inside of you. Anybody here named Michael? Yeah? Oh. Um, well, here's the, here's the last one. Here's the last one I'm going to do tonight. Listen. Now, for those of you guys who are readers, anybody like to read? Readers are leaders. Come on. What's wrong with you guys? What is... Shh, listen, listen. What is the GOAT book series? I, in here, I haven't read these books myself. But some people would say Harry Potter. Am I right? I, I've never read any of those. Lord of the Rings. Huh? Yeah, I'm sorry. We're in church. That's demon stuff. Um, but... <laughs> um, but we can talk about the greatest of all time. We can talk about the goats. We can, there, there's, there's all kinds of 
greatness, but we got to move on. We got to move fast. But you've got to know this. The greatest didn't just get there by accident. Tonight, you got to know that the greatest didn't get there by accident. Anyone who has ever been the greatest didn't just get there by accident. Way before Jordan, way before Michael Jackson, way before Phelps ever became the greatest, they began practicing. And they practiced and they, they, they began some habits in their lives and they made some effort in their lives. And because they had great habits, that made them set apart from others. Their great habits made their gameplay look effortless, made their entertainment look effortless. I would say the goat in the eighth grade mile is none other than someone here in this room, Ella Casey. But, Grain Valley, right? Let's hear it for Grain Valley. Come on. Okay. But, just, just by, by definition, when we say goat, there can only be one, right? When you say goat, greatest of all time, there can only be one when you're talking about the goat. And I believe that when we look throughout the course of human history, we can see that there's clearly one Goat, whether you're a Christian or not, having having more influence than any musician, than any athlete, than any any scientist, than any athlete, I said that, any politician, any bit of technology bigger than Steve Jobs that has ever been created, any king or any kingdom, any nation or any power, unquestionably the most influential person who has ever lived is Jesus Christ. Who has ever lived? Whether you believe in God or not, whether you like him or not, he has had more influence than anyone else who's ever walked on this earth. Any other person in history. And, and he, he is so influential, influential that his, his life actually splits time. There's B.C. and there's A.D., right? Jesus Christ is the GOAT. So let's look at the, what the Bible says about it. If you got your Bibles tonight, go to Colossians uh, 1. And I'm going to read uh, just three verses back to back here. So you, you probably won't have time to look them all up, but you can write them down and look them up later. Colossians, and they'll be on the screen. Colossians 1, 15 to 17, it says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things are created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Ephesians 1, 20 and 22, it says that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church. And then this one, Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says this, Therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the undisputed greatest of all time. No question about it. The undisputed greatest of all time. So that, so if we say, 
<clears throat> if we say that the greatest didn't just get there by accident, there were practices, there were habits, there was effort being put out, that, and those habits became actions that made them great. Jesus, Jesus did the same thing. So if we want to really look at how his life and how to live a life that can make a real difference in this world, we have to look at none other than the life of Jesus. The Bible says this in 1 John 2, 6. It says, whoever abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So it's saying this. Basically, you, you should act like Jesus. You should be like Jesus. See, true greatness can only be found in living like Jesus. Really, if you want to be great, live like Jesus. True, true greatness has nothing to do with how much money you got in the bank. It's got nothing to do with how famous you are. Nothing to do with how Instagram famous you are. Nothing to do with your, your great SoundCloud rap account. Like it, has, it has nothing to do with how great you are at Fortnite. Or, or it has nothing to do with a great title before your name. True greatness is recognized in the legacy that we leave and how we impact the generations to come. So if we're going to look, look at Jesus as the GOAT, it's not about making your name famous. It's not about or, or making ourselves great. So let's look at Scripture. Let's look at Scripture and see why God gave Jesus the name that's above every name. Philippians 2, 4. It says this, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. See, here's what Jesus did. He was the greatest. He was the, the, the son of God. But he humbled himself. He humbled himself. He lived a life of humility. And we should do the same. This is where real power comes from in the life of God that he's called us to live. In 1 Peter 5, 5, it says this. It says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards who? Towards who? One another. For God opposes what? The proud, but he gives grace to who? The humble. See, to illustrate what this looks like, um, I love football. Anybody else love football? I love football. The NFL draft is coming up, right, Johnny? It's coming up and at the end of this month. And I, but I mostly love college football. That's what I get excited about. But if we were to uh, look at the Chiefs this season, Who's excited about the Patrick Mahomes era? Anybody? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Who, who loves to watch Kareem Hunt run? Okay. Um, who's the most exciting player on the field? Tyreek Hill. He hadn't even been on the field yet. But, and here's the deal. Here's the deal. All those guys are great. All those guys are awesome. But they wouldn't be anything without an offensive line. Right? Where's my offensive lineman at? Anybody? Yeah, okay. They wouldn't be anybody without their offensive lineman. Without this group, you, would, you don't want to mess with this group of guys. They will rip you to shreds. These are big boys, and, and they, here's what they do. Listen, listen. Here's what they do. They literally stand in front of the quarterback. They literally stand in front of the running back, and, and because everyone on the defense is trying to do what? Trying to destroy them, trying to tackle them, trying to rip their heads off, trying to hit them. And these guys, the linemen, are protecting them, right? That's their job, to protect them. 
Uh, to help illustrate this tonight, uh, I need some help. Can I have Rex come to the front? Rex, who's your f- most favorite offensive lineman of all time? Right. <laughs> Rex, stand right up here. I like to stand next to Rex. Right here, right in front of me. So Rex is my offensive lineman. You're going to try to get to me, you got to go through Rex. <laughs> I've seen Rex take down guys. I've seen Rex have a wrestling match right here in this room and, and destroy this guy who thought he was great. And, and, and um, here's the deal. Listen, listen. When we're humble, listen, when we're humble, we have this right view of ourselves. If you're going to come and attack me, you got to go through Rex. And if we, we're humble, we got to have this right view of ourselves. And here's what happens. Here's how it looks. That God is in front of us. Now, don't get too, too hyped up there, Rex. But God is in front of us like an offensive line. And he's protecting us. He's watching out for us. He's not letting anybody touch his quarterback. He's not letting anybody touch his people, his man. And, and so, uh, so he has a mission for us. And that mission is to push the ball down the field and score. Like this offensive lineman, he's going to, God is going to prepare the path for us and he's going to make a way for us to make a great difference. That's how these guys are great. That's how Alex Smith was good. That's how Patrick Mahomes is going to be great. That's how Kareem Hunt is going to run for over a thousand yards this year because they've got protection in front of us. Same way in our lives. If we are humble and we put God in front of us, we've got protection in our lives. We've got someone covering us in our lives. We've got someone helping us drive his cause, drive his purpose and his vision down the field in our lives. But as soon as we get prideful and as soon as we begin to think that it's all about me and that I'm so good and I'm, I'm just super talented. And, and as soon as we begin to make it all about us, God moves from the offensive line to the defensive line. Turn around, face me. Oh, boy. Yeah, we didn't prep this. And so here's what happens, though. Instead of preparing the way for us, and a lot of people don't like to hear this, don't like to know this, he opposes us. That's what pride does. Thank you, Rex. Give Rex a big hand. Here's the deal. It says it in the Bible. It says God opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. I didn't put in that in your notes, but you should write that down. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So maybe life isn't going the way you're expecting and you're, and you're not making the difference that you want to make. Maybe there's too much pride in your life and that's keeping you from making that difference. Let me ask all of you guys in this room tonight. Do you want your life to be great? Do you want to, greatness to be in your life? Yeah, I would say all of us do. Thank you for answering for all of us. Um, Do you want to make a difference? Yes. (laughs) It's not a trick question. Um, (laughs) That's great. But there may be a few people here tonight. And and this is how you're feeling. This is how you're feeling tonight. And maybe you're saying tonight, well, I hear what you're saying. But I don't have a chance to be great. There's no greatness inside of me. 
I've gone too far. I'm not special. I don't have anything to offer. I'm not good at anything. No one, no one ever sees me or no one even notices me. I, I can't make a difference. Maybe that's you and maybe that's how you're feeling in this room tonight. Did you know that that is pride as well? Because scripture says that, that if, if for those of us who God saves by his grace, that we are his workmanship and he made us to do good works in Christ. So if you've ever felt like that you're too far gone or that you're not special, that you're not good enough, that you could, you could actually hold back the God of the universe from using you. For some of you, maybe you're feeling that tonight. It maybe feels like that your life is like in total opposition. There's a lot of opposition, but maybe, you just, maybe you're feeling that opposition because you're prideful and you need to begin to believe what the scripture says about you. That it says that you're valuable. That it says that you're useful. That you says the, the words that you've got a calling and you've got a purpose on your life. That, that God loves you. He's redeemed you. And he's got a great plan for your life. If you would realize that every single one of us in this room tonight, if we would realize that, if we would know that, that God has a great plan, a great purpose, no matter what you've done or how bad you've been, you can be redeemed. You can be saved. You can be forgiven. You can't be bad enough for Jesus to forgive. Because here's the other thing that we need to understand. When we're, ta- when we're talking about not thinking too highly of yourself and being prideful and boastful about yourself, that doesn't also mean that you need to think badly of yourself. That doesn't also mean that you, you need to think of yourself less. It means that you just need to think of yourself less and lift others up higher so you can see so you can see yourself how God sees you. You may not be the pinnacle of God's plan, but you are part of it. You may not be the pinnacle of God's plan, but you are part of it. See, to to remove yourself from God's plan is a prideful thing to do. You may think like, well, here's the deal, like you're the pastor, like, or, or these, like, other Christians in the room, like, they're so much better. No, God's got a purpose for you and his plan as well. Your plan is just as great as mine. We all have a part to play. So I, I want to share with you tonight, real quick, some habits of humility. <clears throat> and these are a few habits that we see in the GOAT. Jesus, and if we would begin to practice these things in our lives, I I believe that we would see God do some pretty incredible things in our lives. And the first humble habit of Jesus is to thank God for what he's done for you. Thank God specifically for what he's done for you. Would anybody in this room that say that God's been good to you? Yeah. If not, let me ask you this. Are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Jesus? Because if he saved you, if he's he's saved you, if he's forgiven you, if he never does anything else, that's more than what we deserve. And we can thank God for that. I realize that not all of us have have all the time. But for most of us, we've got people. Uh, we've got people, we've got family, we have people in our lives who love us. And I know not everyone all the time has that in their lives, but a lot of us, we've got a place to sleep. 
Maybe you have a job. Maybe you have to, don't have to worry where your next meal comes from. I would say that for, for most of us, we probably don't have to worry much about those things. God has done so much for us that if we don't start to make it a practice by thanking him for providing, we begin to think that we've done all this for ourselves. And that's called pride. The next thing is this. Ask God. Ask God for help. We've got to realize that we can't do all this on our own. It's not on my own power. It's not on, we don't do this on our own. We need to come to God in prayer and ask him for help. There's nothing more honoring to God than to come to him and ask him for help. It's to come to him with our needs. It honors him. It says, God, I can't do all this, but I know you can. It's honoring him. Did you know that God does not expect us to be perfect? Perfection, no level of perfection can ever be achieved. He does not expect us to be perfect. He knows we're going to make mistakes at times. He knows we're not going to live a perfect life. But when you do mess up, God does ask us to confess and to come to him. And here's the great thing about our God is that we can talk straight to him. We can talk to him. We don't have to go through someone else. You don't have to talk to me to talk to God. You can talk directly to God. That's the great thing about our God with humility and come to him with humility and asking him for forgiveness. The next thing is this, ask questions. I know that that kind of seems weird, like, but let me explain. Humble people ask questions. <clears throat> they don't think they know everything. If we're going to begin to live like Jesus, then we, we, can, we can't begin to assume that we know everything. Even Jesus, God in the flesh, we see him all throughout the Bible asking questions. In Luke 2, it says this, and I didn't put this on the screen, but it says, After three days, his parents found him in the temple, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. See, if Jesus wasn't too good to ask questions, then we aren't either. Especially when it comes to your faith. Ask questions. Find out. See, pride tells us that that we need to look... Uh, it tells us that we need to look like we've got it all together, that we don't have any problems, that we're perfect, we live a perfect life, we don't, we got it all together. And being humble is to know and to realize that we don't have it together at all. So if we don't ask some questions, are we really honoring or are, are we really caring? See, humility is about lifting others up. One of the best ways, one of the best ways to lift someone up is ask questions. I no, 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 that sounds weird, and that sounds odd to say, but one of the best ways we can lift someone up is to ask questions. Because asking questions communicates <clears throat> that you're, you think that there's something valuable about them. It communicates that you, there's something that they know that you want to be a part of, that you want to be involved in their life, that you want to know what's going on in their life. Ask questions. It makes people feel valuable. Humble people... Ask questions. The next thing is this, serve. One of our values here in Merge is that saves people, serve people. Serve. That's what Jesus did. The goat, the greatest of all time. He came to serve. Jesus, he was always serving. He was at just about every place. You read about Jesus in the Bible. He was doing something to help someone else. He was serving someone else. Serving others is a true path to greatness. 
Putting other people up above you and higher than you and serving them is a true path to greatness. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because we talk about this one often. But you need to put yourself in a place to serve others, to help others. You aren't above any job. You aren't above any person. You aren't above any way to serve. When Kristen and I first started out in youth ministry, just as volunteers, man, we were toilet cleaners. We were chair stackers. We were vacuumers. We did any, we, we took care of the nursery. We, we wiped poopy butts. Like it, there was no job too big for us to serve. And if you, you already do this and you're here at our church and you serve others, maybe you serve in other areas around our church, I want to thank you and I want to celebrate you. And I love that you do that. Great job. The next thing is this. Include everyone. If you want to be like the goat, like Jesus, you got to include everyone. We say all the time, our very first value is that we're a family made of friends. That means that you belong here. That means that you belong here. You're a part of our family. We want you here. We want to include you, that we love you. That, and we also say that anyone belongs here because anyone belongs to Jesus. Anyone is welcome here because anyone is welcome to Jesus. Did you know that every single week here at Emerge, invisible students show up? Now, I'm not trying to be weird. Like, there's ghosts in the room. That's not what I'm trying to say. That's not what I'm trying to say. In, <clears throat> what, what, I, what I mean is that there are students, and maybe you're in this room tonight, and you, maybe you feel like you're one of these that come here and you walk through the doors and you feel like no one talks to you, no one cares about you. Maybe you feel like you're alone and it feels like that you might be invisible. First of all, you're not invisible. We've made some changes around here with our our volunteers and with our team. And then I, I hope that anytime you walk into our room and you walk into one of our areas, that we we address you by name. We call you out. We say hey to you. That someone tonight spoke to you. But it's not just all on our volunteers here at Emerge. If you're a regular here, if you've been coming here for a while, then it's on you too. It's on us too. Let me challenge us all. Let's never ever, ever, ever be a place where invisible students are allowed to exist. Let's never be that place. Let's look at what Jesus said in Mark 2.17. It says, those who are well have no need of, phys- of a physician. But those who are sick, I came to call the righteous, but sinners. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Include everyone. Include everyone. Finally, the last thing is this. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. I may not have put that in the notes, but do, write that down. Do the right thing. Philippians 2, 6 through 8, it says this. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, one of the, one of, one of the ways to be humble is to do the things that we know we should do. So for those of you guys in this room, you've been a follower of Jesus for a while. You probably know there's some things that you should probably just do, right? 
Uh, should I tell that person about Jesus? Yeah, probably. Uh, should I be kind to this person? Mm-hmm. Should I, should I serve? Should I help out? Should I be involved? Yeah, there's some, probably some things that we know that we should be doing. Should we thank God? Yeah. Should we ask God? Yeah. Should we ask questions? Yes. Should we serve? Yes. Should we include everyone? Should we love? Should we forgive? Do the right thing. Do the right thing. See, I believe if we were to practice these habits of humility, God will use you to do great things. To do great things. Maybe you're here tonight and you've heard of all of these things. But maybe you're just, maybe you're just, you're working on your own path to greatness. I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to work on my own path to greatness. Maybe you've already got this great group of friends. And you've got college scholarships lining up. And you, you, maybe you're on a great team. Or maybe everything is looking good for you. And maybe if you start doing these things that honor Jesus, maybe it's going to mess up your plan a little bit and some of the greatness that you've already got going on. See, the, the path to true greatness means that you make your life all about serving God and serving others. And here's the deal. If your life is about you, if your life is about serving you, then maybe, just maybe, you're not living for Jesus. If it's all about you, maybe you're not living for Jesus. And you can't do anything significant for Jesus. And that's tough to take. That's difficult. But the greatest, the goat, didn't just get there by accident. It didn't just happen by accident. They had practices. They, they like, like the things that we talked about, they, these, and those practices, they became habits. And those habits led to actions. And your, your habits will determine how you affect the world around you. So I would imagine that most of us in this room tonight, we would say that we would like to live like Jesus. I would imagine that most of us in this room, we would agree that we'd like to live like Jesus did. And I think the problem a lot of times is that we forget to live like Jesus. Is that a lot of times we just get caught up in our own little world and we just forget where we're at. We forget what we're doing. Maybe we don't even take Jesus into account in our everyday lives. Maybe you're in a conversation and someone says something rude and you snap right back and you cut back at them. Maybe you walk up in a circle of friends and they're talking bad about someone. Someone you probably don't even like anyways. And you join in on the gossip. Then you walk away thinking, why am I gossiping? Why am I a part of that? Why am I involved in that? Or, or you ask your parents a question and you, maybe they ask you a question and then you just feed them a little lie. And then you walk away thinking, I, I know that's wrong. Why did I do that? So I want to help you out tonight. And this is, this is going to sound cheesy. This is going to sound so old school. And uh, this, this was a big deal back when I was a kid, when I was young. And this may even sound dumb to you tonight. This may sound like the stupidest thing you've ever heard. But I, wanna, I want you to know this tonight. WWJD. Right? Right. No, no, no. No, I know. It's, I know. But listen, listen, bear with me. Here's the deal. I heard this. I know, like. So cheesy right now. But listen, I heard this when I was a kid. And this was, this was pushed in my life. And this was talked about in my life. And this was a big deal in my life. And, and I literally did this in my life. 
when questions, when things would come up in my life, I'd start to think, eh, and I, I had the bracelet and everything. I was like, mm, would Jesus do this? Probably not. So, I, you know, it would, it would make me think. It would cause me to think. And I know as cheesy as it is, think to yourself sometimes. When you get into a situation, when you get into a problem, when you get into an argument, when you get into a circle of friends and you're tempted to gossip, when you're t- tempted to talk bad or, or to do bad things, what, what would Jesus do in this situation? <laughs> it's so cheesy, but it's a constant reminder for me to live my life, a life that would look like Jesus would live, because I want to live for a higher purpose than myself. And honestly, this WWJD is a hard reminder some days because I want to be selfish. I want to make it all about me. I want to do my own thing. I want to make life all about me. I don't always want to serve. I don't always want to say something encouraging to someone who's been mean to me. But there's so many times when I've got to get back up. I've got to remind myself, what would Jesus do in this situation? Because if my goal if my purpose in life is to be like Jesus, then I'm going to ask myself, what would he do in this situation? What would he do here? What would he do when these things come at me, when these questions come at me, when I'm tempted to lie to my parents, when I'm tempted to, to cheat or, or steal or to whatever, to hurt people? I don't know. What would Jesus do? I know this is difficult to do, but if we begin, begin to live a life and put to action these habits of the goat of Jesus then we'll live a blessed life. If our band could come back up. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, oh, you know, this whole um, living like Jesus, you know, of course, of course you can do this. You're, you're a pastor, uh, but I'm not that good. You got to know this. Living for Jesus isn't for super Christians. It's for all Christians. It's not for super Christians. It's for all Christians. And it's ultimately how we know we're Christians. It's not just for super Christians. It's for all Christians. And it's ultimately how we know that we're Christians. If you're here tonight and you're a Christian, then you know that you've been called by Jesus. You know that he's got a plan on for your life. Maybe you're here and you're trying to live like Jesus and you're given effort in your life to live like Jesus. I want to encourage you tonight to keep going, to keep trying to keep putting out the effort, to keep those habits up. Man, I've seen so many of you guys reading through the YouVersion Bible app. I love that. Keep going. Keep pushing. Keep learning more about Jesus. Keep trying to be more like Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're trying to live like Jesus. Keep putting out that effort. Keep loving people. Keep being kind to people. God will bless that. Keep giving. Keep going. But the key is humility. 